you guys have your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to Acts 2, starting at 38. Acts 2, 38. This is out of the New King James Version. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in his name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And if you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Don't withhold yourself from the endless love and forgiveness of Christ. If you feel unworthy of his love, it's because we're not worthy of it. Like, I mean this in the most loving way possible. Get over ourselves, you know? Like, I know you've sinned. I know it hurts. But repent and give that sin to Christ. He's covered that for you. Amen? Can we stand and pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your forgiveness. I pray your blessing over this service. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 He is glorious, isn't he? Amen. Well, why don't you shake some hands, hug some necks, welcome each other here. Congratulate each other on surviving another snowstorm. So before we get into the sermon today, we want to take care of a little housekeeping, a little taken care of. Whoever is in sin because of all the snow, <clears throat> we're going to deal with that right now. Please. 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 We just got to deal with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a public confession of our sins. For those of you online, just type in your sin, worst to best, you know, we're kind of a sliding scale. Beg, ask for forgiveness, and he is faithful and just to bring spring. So, no, praise God. You know, it's beautiful to live in Minnesota and Wisconsin, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I woke up this morning, and if I could have actually seen out my window, it would have been beautiful, I'm sure. It would have been wonderful. But thank you all for being here, and those who couldn't make it this morning, I get it, man, I get it. Uh, take, care of, uh, take care of your driveways and get, be safe and... Everything else, uh, definitely. This is uh, this is actually for real. Be safe. Be careful in the in the parking lot. It is slippery out there. I saw two coffees go down, and when two coffees go down, it's bad. Okay, so two different people. I got out of my truck, and good thing I could grab onto the doors because my feet went out from underneath me. So, so it's bad out there. So be careful, careful, and we're not responsible for anyone falling in the parking lot. <laughs> Since I've warned you, there's a, you know, we, have, we are covered by our uh, disclaimer. Amen? Turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. So last week, I didn't start a series. I didn't believe it was a series. And I, I, but, you know, here's, here's, we're going to be going into it a second week here, and we'll see. But I, uh, I asked the question at the beginning of the service last week. I said, what good does it do if we do church but we don't apply it to our lives. 
what good is it? What is it? What good is it if we go to church on Sundays, we go to youth group on Wednesday nights, we read our Bibles, we do if we do all the stuff, but we don't actually live like it makes a difference, what good is it? It, it isn't. It it does us no good. Peter, I think it was Peter that says, if a man looks at a mirror, looks at his face in a mirror and immediately forgets what it looks like when you walk away, it does him no good. We have, to, we have to be looking in the Word. We have to be applying the Word to our life and living differently. Because number one, you need to. We, we all individually need to. But the world needs us to. You know, that's where we kind of went last week was the world needs us to, do, to be salt and light. The world needs us to be truth in this day because there's so many lies. There's so much ugliness, there's so much fear, there's so much lying, there's so many, so many other things going on. You, the, the world needs someone to stand up and say, no, this is truth. This is real. This is where really, even if they laugh at you, even if they, you know, even if they, they, they accuse you of being whatever, you know, you're just one of those Christians or you're a conspiracy theorist or you're this or you're that. Yeah, I saw this week and I, I saved it because it I'm going to use it. It says, I self-identify as a, as a conspiracy theorist. And my pronouns, my pronouns are, I am right. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Maybe get a t-shirt with it on it. I don't know. But during the, during the message last week, and I went back and listened to it because I wanted to, to write it down exactly as I shared it because... I'd been praying leading up to that, and I keep hearing these same things, and I still am. I still, when I'm, when I'm listening for the voice of the Lord, when I'm praying about what to share and on a Sunday morning here, I keep hearing these concepts, these phrases, get ready for what's coming next. Get ready for what's coming. Don't be surprised. Here's the deal. You know, the Bible is very clear that as we get closer to Christ's return, stuff's going to start happening. And it is. It's going to get weird. It's going to get weirder. And it's getting weirder. But that doesn't mean we have to get all worried about it, get all flustered, get all, get all you know, nervous about it. Get lit for it it can't, doesn't have to affect us. Things can you know, get weirder. People's thoughts getting weirder. People's actions get weirder. But also, real life stuff starts to happen. When real life catastrophes when real life problems happen how do you react because someone who's in the word of god who's who's got the peace of god who has the knowledge that god has this under control god is not surprised by what's happening today people who are who are led by the spirit led by him in full of his word are going to react to the world's situations differently than those who have nothing and we are not of those we're not of those that have nothing. We, we are those of, that have the word in us. So I kept hearing, get ready for what's coming next. I also keep hearing discernment, discernment. Being able to discern whatever the situation is, what, what is really happening. Yeah. I think we need to hear that again. Be, be able to discern what's really happening. Because, you know, what, what it looks like can cause you to, to, to think a one way. What somebody might say about it could cause you to think another way. But what's really happening here? 
what's really going to happen? And what do we base what's really going to happen? Do we base what's really going to happen by history? Or do we base what's really going to happen by what, what, Jesus, what, what the Word of God says? Because I don't care. The, the, the situation could be very real. And we'll talk about a couple here in just a second. We, but we, they could look very real. They could act. I mean, they're, they're affecting things in reality. But the, re, the, the outcome in our life does not have to be what the outcome in everybody else's life is. We live in a different kingdom. Which means we live in a different existence. We exist in a different... We, we, we don't have to be affected by what's happening out there. We can affect what's happening out there. That, we have to get our minds right, folks. I mean, and, and we're, we're there. I mean, we're, we're moving in that direction. You know, I, but I just, I just know I keep hearing the Lord saying, do this again. Talk about this again. Because we need to be solid because when, when that wave hits, how many have ever been out in an ocean? You know, been, I don't like the ocean. The ocean's got living stuff in it, man. Just weird living stuff. Sorry, all, all these all memories, thoughts are going through my head. I, I was in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands on a mission one time, mission trip, and I was staying with, uh, with, with uh, the, the missionaries were, were Paul's parents. Uh, and, we, and, and he laid, lived right on the ocean. It was awesome. He had this place right on the ocean, and the waves would go whoosh, and it would hit on this on this rock wall. Well, one day he says, "You want to go snorkeling?" I was like, "Sure." And he goes, "We're going to go right off the right off the edge here." And I went, "Awesome!" So we go out and we we start to swim out, and all of a sudden, you know, because the the waves would come in and they would go out, and I go whoa, whoa, way down. Whoa. And then me, I'm not that buoyant, okay? Just you know. <laughs> I have extra, you know, uh, buoyancy issues. And so I'm swimming out, and you had to swim out until where it really dropped off. And so I'm swimming out, and I'm swimming out, and I'm looking down with my goggles, and all of a sudden I'm up, and then I start coming down, and all of a sudden I realize I'm swimming right over a bed of sea urchins. Sea urchins. Urchins, not urchins. That's different. That's little kids. Uh, Urchins. urchins, they're, they're, they're the spiny ones with the long needles all over their body. So I'm swimming and all of a sudden I start coming down. I'm going, you know, pulling in everything I could pull in, you know, just like, ah. And they're going, eh, and then back down again. And then, so I get out over that. I get, I get out over it, you know. And then, and then I'm, I'm snorkeling around and it's beautiful. It's the ocean and everything. And so we, I have to go back across that thing. So I time it and I, I made that part, right? And I have to go up the steps to get out and I look underneath the steps and there's a fish his head was this big, this big. He was huge, and his eyes were just gargantuan. I'm like, I'm like, oh no, how do I get out of that thing? I mean, he's big enough to take a bite out of me. This thing is huge, and he, I'm just thinking, oh no, and I'm, I'm panicking. And it was the last time I've ever snorkeled. I just, I won't go out there anymore. <laughs> but I'm looking, I'm looking. Okay, well, I don't have any choice. He's not moving. I got to get in. And so I wait for one of the waves to come in and I swim as fast as I can and I jump, I try to jump over the top of him. You know, it, I'm sure I didn't, you know, I mean, you know, look at me. And then, <laughs> but I get over and I get out and I, oh, whew, whew, I'm fine. And, and, I, and I'm sitting there and I'm so proud of myself that I avoided the man-eating fish. And uh, Roger comes in, he comes swimming in and he gets out and he goes, hey, John, did you see the puffer fish underneath the, underneath the thing? And I went, puffer fish and he goes oh i said that thing is huge he goes well yeah it's that big but it's only about this it puffed itself up to look mean not everything is what it seems to be 
you thought I wasn't going to bring this story back to the subject today. Not everything is what it seems to be. Some things will look a lot worse than what they really are if you know what's really happening. Discernment. Being able to discern spiritually what's really going on in the situations around us. The other thing is don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't let the world lie to you. I mean, the world's going to lie to you. The devil's going to lie to you. The devil lies to you all the time. Don't be deceived. Don't believe him. Why don't you believe him? Why? Because he's a liar. That's all he does. If if his lips are moving, you've heard me say that before. If his lips are moving, if he's speaking, he's lying. Don't don't fall for it. God, I mean, I I wished I'd have known what I know now when I was your guys' age. Because he's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you you're too young. He's going to tell you you're too young. He's going to tell you too young until one day he says, y'all, you're too old. (laughs) Right? You know, you just, okay, well, someday I'm going to be old enough, and then all of a sudden, no, you're now you're too old. You know, come on. I mean, that's a lie. He just, he, he's, he's trying to stop you from what you're doing. He's trying to make you st- stop in fear and not move forward with his plan. He's a liar. Don't believe it. Don't be deceived. And then last, it's time to get going. That's where we ended up last week. It's time to get going. It's time to get this thing moving. You know, it is moving. We are moving. But it can be moved. We can step it up. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. That means, that means for each person. I know, for, I know what it means for me. I need to take the next steps. And I'm, I am. I've begun to take the next steps that God is leading me to do. And they're steps of faith. Because I look at the economy like you do. I look at what's happening in the world like you do. I'm looking at things that are going on around the world, and I'm thinking, well, what's the, what's the use? I have, I, at least I'm tempted to think that way. But don't give in to it. It's time to get going. He didn't call us, how many of you remember back in the 80s? He didn't call us this far to leave us. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He, he brought us this far because there's a purpose behind it. We have, you, we have tomorrow exists. Tomorrow is, the, the future exists. Everything you're doing, the future, you're, don't worry, you guys. Don't worry, you're going to get married. Really, you are. Don't, don't worry, you guys. For those of you who aren't married, you're go, you can get married. It's still possible. There's not a, there's not a, you know, there's, there's hey, I've seen miracles happen. My wife married me. Miracles happen. She didn't know what she was getting herself into. But, you know, I mean, you got time. You got time. You old folks, you got time. There's a tomorrow. And if there isn't, well, glory. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, it's not the worst thing in existence. You step over into glory. There's future. There's hope. There's hope. Turn to somebody and say, there's hope. There's hope. Oh, yeah. No, no, with a little life. You know, not, well, apparently there's some hope. Okay, let's try that again. There's hope. There we go. Good job. All right. So we're going to get to 1 Samuel. I just got you there early so that uh, you, you could find it. So how do we react to daily opportunities? Every day you're going to have an opportunity. 
how are you going to react to each day's opportunities? I have a friend, very good friend. He doesn't call them problems, he calls them opportunities. And he's not just doing it because he's a faith guy. He looks at it, that's how he looks at it. He says, you know, this is an opportunity. (laughs) This is an opportunity to see God move. This is an opportunity for a miracle to happen. This is an opportunity. And so I, I picked that up from him. Because I was like, I like that. And I, you know, I don't get super you know, weird with you know, all the words and saying, sayings that way. But that one I grabbed because it's like, no, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to see God move. This is an opportunity to see the hand of God, the miracle working power of God, fulfill his word to give him glory. This is a, but what are we going to do? How are we going to react to daily opportunities? When something goes sideways, what's your first reaction? When something goes wrong in whatever life is, tomorrow morning when you wake up and the the wrong, there's no cereal. There's not the right kind of cereal. I know. I saw some faces like, no, don't say that. Don't prophesy that. You wake up and, and there's, there's six inches of extra snow on the ground. Wow. <laughs> what is your reaction going to be? Forget it. I give up. I quit. Well, if that's the case, you need to move somewhere warmer. I mean, that's just, a, you're not cut out for this. It's an opportunity. Okay, well, what are we going to do? It, you know, tomorrow morning when the news, when you happen to flip the news on by accident and you see what's going on in the world. What's your reaction going to be? Oh, what am I going to, oh, oh, how are we going to survive? Or are we going to look at it and go, all right, God, here we go. This is an opportunity, all right? So what, when everything, when everything, I just, you know, the first line I said was, if something goes sideways, what is your first reaction? But how about when everything goes sideways, when it's all really falling apart, folks, when things are really going bad, and we, you know, we experienced that a couple of years ago, didn't we? When we all of a sudden heard on the news, there is a killer virus, and it's coming to America. The thing is, we, what we found out now is it was actually here before. The news said it was here. They were, they was like, it was like they thought they were starting something. No, they weren't starting nothing. It was already here. It's going to kill you. It's gonna, you're going to die. You're all going to die if you don't wear 67 layers of fabric on your face. Sorry. If you don't stand 14 feet away from anyone ever, including your spouse who you woke up with this morning. Now, I get it. Hey, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And we said that back then. We said wisdom. Use wisdom. If, you know, I live my life. If the Lord tells me not to walk down that street, I don't walk down that street. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, there were times, my, our kids one time, you know, came to us and said, hey, all of our friends are going to go do this thing. I mean, okay, so I'll, just, I'll even be specific because I, I remember the exact situation. How many know where the boom site is north of, north of Stillwater? Beautiful place. Beautiful place. And the kids would go up there and they'd hike along the, the thing. And I don't know what else, I don't want to know what else they did up there, but they, they, they would go up there. And they'd done it many times. They would say, hey, we're going to go up to the boom site and we're going to do this and that. Okay, great, cool. See you guys later. Have fun. One day, one specific day, 
I'm sitting there, and we, you know, we're hanging out, and they came in and said, hey, we're all going to go to the boom site. And, right, and when they said that, in my spirit, I heard, no, don't let them go. And I was like, why? They've done it many times. And, and they did it many times after that. And I was, I was like, really? Don't let them go. Don't do it. I said, hey, guys, tell you what. How about you do something else today? I said, I don't know why. I just, when you said you were going to go to the boom site, all of a sudden, I just, in my spirit, I heard, don't do it. Don't let them go. I said, don't go. And they said, why? And I said, well, I just, I'm just hearing from the Holy, Holy Ghost. I'm just, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I still, to this day, have no idea what it was. But I said, don't go. And they went, okay. And they didn't go. Right? You didn't go, right? Just... <laughs> I'm saying this publicly now. I probably should have the story. But they didn't go. They went and did something else. That's, that's being led by the Spirit. It's not walking in fear. It's not that I... Because the next time they came to me and they say, hey, we're going we're to go do this, we're going to do X, Y, Z. I was like, I, you know, Lord, yep. And they went and had fun and so on. What, what would have happened? We'll never know, praise God. We don't know. So, you know, is it, we don't live in fear, but we, we are led by the Spirit. I'll get to my verses. I really will. I'm going to get there. But you need to be led by the Spirit. We're not led by the fear. Because fear will tell you, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it all the time. And there are some times when you need to go do that, even if there is some danger. Brian and I were getting on an airplane one time. I've used this story so many times, sorry. You knew people, this is a good one for you. But if you've been here before, I won't tell the whole story. We were getting on an airplane, and I got a phone call from a guy who says, I've been praying for you all day, John, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting on an airplane. He goes, I keep hearing, don't get on the plane, John. Don't get on the plane, John. I mean, he, he, I had not, he didn't know. He just had been praying. He was, he was praying, and he kept hearing, don't get on the plane, John. He called me. I'm getting on a plane. They're, they're calling my row. The moment he I said to me, fear had a, had a very good opportunity to hit me. And I said, here's what I'm doing, man. I'm getting on this plane. But I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to call Debbie. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, if I, if I call you back, I didn't get on the plane. If I don't call you back, I got on the plane. So I hung up the phone. I called Debbie. I said, hey, this just happened. What do you think? We prayed about it for a second, and she said, get on the plane. Now, our insurance was paid up. I'm sure she figured it was okay, but... <laughs> but I, did, I had peace to get on the plane. That was a crazy trip. It was a wild trip, but here we are. But also, relationships were established. People got saved. People got healed. Prophecy, you know, I mean, things happened on that trip. It was a good trip. But that if, 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 it's just, if, it, if it's based on fear, you won't do stuff. Because Satan will stop you every single time. Don't be moved by fear. I heard a preacher years ago, says I never, I mean this guy's famous, he's done amazing things. He says, I never ever make a decision when I'm fearful. He says, I do not make a decision based on fear. He says, I will pray about it, and I'll do whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do. That's a good, good rule to live by. So, what did people in the biblical people do when things went sideways? If you're not there already, turn to Samuel, 1 Samuel 13, beginning with verse 3. 
I'm not going to tell the whole story. You've heard it before. If you haven't, I'll just I'll tell you enough to get you through. 1 Samuel 13.3, Jonathan, this is Saul's son, Jonathan, defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. Now, long story that goes into this. Jonathan, they were, they were, they were uh, going up against this army. The, uh, the Philistines were over, overwhelmingly, there were more of them than they were of the Israelites. They were, they, it looked bad, they didn't look like any hope. And Jonathan and his armor bearer are sitting there, and they're looking up at that garrison, this, this fortified position up there, and, he, and Jonathan goes, let's go attack them. Let's go see what happens. Do you know you can do some things sometimes by just going, huh, let's try this, we'll see what happens. You don't have to have a, thus saith the Lord. You must go forth and doeth this and so on. And there are times when, when you just, you go, I'm going to go pray for that person. I'm going to go see what happens. Jonathan, Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Two guys went against a whole garrison. I don't know how many men were in there. It might say that in the story. I, I'm not, I, I didn't research that far back. Let's go. And the armor bearer says, okay. So they start walking towards the garrison. And they said, if they, if they tell us to come up, we'll go up. If they tell us to you know, stay where we are, well, then we won't go up. That'll be the sign from God that this is his will. And he's walking towards them. The garrison says, hey, what are you guys doing down there? And they said, oh, we want to come up. We're going to fight. And they said, well, come on up. And Jonathan turned to his armor bearer and says, they just told us to come up. Let's go. So they go up and they wipe them all out. I mean, they beat, they, they, they destroy everybody. You know, Jonathan knocks them all down and his, his armor bearer went behind and killed them, made sure they were dead. I mean, that's a miracle, a miracle provision of God. Now, that's how, how we get to this story. And so we get to that story and it says, and the Philistines heard of it. They went and killed all these guys and all of a sudden the Philistines know and they're ticked now. Now they're ticked. Okay, now we're going to go get the Israelites. That's where we get to in this story. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, let the Hebrews hear, verse 4, and all Israel heard it and said that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines. Somebody will always take credit for what you do. I'm just going to add that in there. And also that Israel had become a stench in the Philistine, to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistine mustered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots. 30,000 chariots. 30,000 chariots. Just saying. That's a bunch of people. They're ticked. That's it. We're going to go take care of Israel once and for all. Let's go, boy. Everybody, everybody. we're all going out. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Michmash and to the east of Beth-Avon. So they were ticked. And they're going to come in and they've got everybody. They're ready to go. They far outnumbered the Israelites. They're, they're coming for the Israelites and we're going. It can't get any worse than this. They woke up, the Israelites woke up that morning, and the morning news says, they're all here. And they're all mad, and they're all going to come to kill us. And what you're going to see next is how people reacted to that news. 
when you wake up in the morning and you hear whatever you hear, how are you going to react next? And this is, what, this is how they reacted. Verse 6, when the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves. So some of them hid themselves in caves and holes in the ground. I'm out of here. I'm going, I'm going to go into hiding. And in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. Verse 7, and some Hebrews crossed the forest. Some, they just were out of here. We're taking off. They go running. So you've got some who are hiding. You've got some who are running. Across the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead, Saul was still at Gilgal, and the people followed him trembling. I mean, some didn't go. Praise God, some didn't go. But they were so scared. The situation had them so scared, they were shaking. Anyone ever been so afraid of a situation that you started to shake? Been there. Been there. That's scared. Verse 8. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. Samuel told Saul, don't go into battle yet. Do not go into battle until I come and until I do the sacrifice. He was the prophet of God. He was the one who's supposed to do prophet or do uh, 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 sacrifices. Saul was not. We know that story, right? Saul was not supposed to do sacrifices. Kings were not given the right to do sacrifices. The prophets did it. The priests did it. Men of God who were, were anointed and who were, who were consecrated and who could do, you know. And he said, just wait I'll, seven days. I'll be there in seven days. Do not go into battle because I'm going to come and I'm going to offer the sacrifice with the idea that when the sacrifice is made, when you do it in the right timing, God's going to defeat the Philistines in front of you. But what happens? Samuel's late. He doesn't show up on time. What if God doesn't show up on time? You ever wondered what happens if God doesn't show up on time? I've thought of many times. I need this done by a certain day. The Lord, if this doesn't happen by this time, this doesn't happen by that time, what if it doesn't work? What am I going to do? Samuel told Saul, don't go into battle. Don't do anything till I get there and do the sacrifice. Because if you know, and, and the idea is, you know, remember the idea is once the sacrifice is made, you do everything right, you're going to win this battle. And so Saul, uh, he waited seven days. Let's go back to verse eight. He waited seven days, a time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering from him. The longer they waited, the more people ran the more afraid they were. Verse 9, So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. He went, he just moved ahead of God and he disobeyed the word of the Lord. In a situation, you will be tempted to just do something. You'll be tempted. Just do something. Do, just, and, and there will be people who will give you a hard time. They'll go, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you acting on this? I would have acted by now. 
Uncle Fred in, in Timbuktu, he reacted and, he, and he, it worked for him. Why don't you react? Why don't you, you you're just sitting there waiting. Yep, because God didn't get, tell me what to do yet. Oh, that is so irresponsible. You are so irresponsible. He told me to wait. He told me that he is going to take care of it. Well, he's not taking care of it. Now what? You're going to look like a fool. People are going to point it. They're going to tell stories about you. Oh, you need to do something now. Make it happen. So that's what Saul did. So I, so, uh, so, and he offered the burnt offering. Verse 10. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. I mean, the moment he lit that pup, well, it was a, it was a, lamb probably when he once he lit that thing on fire disobeyed god the man of god shows up right i have known i have known people i'm not going to say who it is not going to give you names but i have known people that god was leading them in a direction and they stopped quit turned went and did something else the moment before it would have came to pass I've watched it happen. I know people personally who their whole life trajectory, I believe, I believe their whole life trajectory changed because they went and did something on their own strength and they made something happen that God didn't tell them to do. This is a lesson that, I mean, it is so vital. I've had people say, why are you waiting so long? Because the Lord hasn't done it yet. As soon as he does it, I'm in. I'll go. I'll look foolish. I'll look, I'll look slow. I don't care what people say. I am just so stubborn that I, will, I don't care. I will do what God tells me to do. I will not do what man tells me to do unless it lines up with what the Lord told me to do. That's where we need to be, each one of us. Not affected by the outside pressure, but moved by the Spirit. As soon as he had finished the offering offering the burnt offering behold samuel came and saul went out to meet him and greet him samuel said what have you done and saul said when i saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and the philistines had mustered at michmash i said now the philistines will come down against me at gilgal and i have not sought the favor of the lord so i forced myself and offered the burnt offering no, he gave up. He gave up. He gave up on God. He gave up that God had the answer. God had the answer. Too many times God has the answer, but we're not willing to do what he's needing us to do to get there. Verse 13, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you, for then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. And now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What's God saying? What is God saying? That is the... The first thing, 
that should come out of your mouth, the first thought you should have and the first words that come out of your mouth, no matter what the situation is, what's God saying about this? What's God telling me to do? What's, what is God saying? Not, not what is CNN saying. Not what is Fox saying. Not what is, uh, what is the most conservative thing I can think of. 14, 1440 newsletter. How many of you do what, read 1440 newsletter? This is not a commercial for them, but it's a good news. It's, it's just the facts. It's just this is what's happening in the world. No, no bias. Never mind, sorry. Not, not what is your neighbor saying? Not what is your spouse saying? How's she reacting? Oh, good, oh, good. She's got a knife. <laughs> she, she's got a knife. Because, because we can all be affected. There have been times, there's been times when we had to make a life-changing decision, and I made, I made the decision based on, okay, we got to do it this way. And she's like, did you pray about it? <laughs> no. Well, are you going to pray about it? Yes. So I prayed about it. And it was, it was the other direction. It was the other answer. Just because, just because you think you're right doesn't mean you're right. Saul thought he was right. He wasn't right. What do you do? What do you do when you wake up tomorrow morning? <laughs> what do you do? What do you do when you wake up on a Monday morning in 1987, October 19th, 1987, you wake up and the, you turn on the news to hear the weather and the news is the stock market just crashed, the largest percentage in history that the stock market just crashed. And you're watching this, I'm listening to this, and I'm going, the stock market, I mean, this is worse than the 29 crash. October 19th, Black Monday. The stock market crashes. The twins are leading the World Series. It has got to be the end of the world. <laughs> I'm telling you. October, I mean, why, do I under, why do I know that October 19th, 1987, these things happen? Because it's the day I called Debbie and I said, well, we were planning on going and getting married today. We were eloping to Iowa. I said, the stock market just crashed. The twins are winning the World Series. I'm pretty sure the world is ending. Should we just go get married? And she said, let's go do it. And we did. Destination, Destination wedding. Exactly. <laughs> Destination wedding. Conventional wisdom said we should not have gotten married. Not just because it was October 19th, the stock market crashed, the Twins were winning the World Series, but there were people in our lives going, don't get married, just live together. Christians. Christians. I know. Don't do that. No, no, don't go, don't, don't. You, you don't know what the future holds. No, but I know who holds the future. 
And, he, and we prayed about it. We prayed, said, should we go do this? And was, we both had, let's go do this. And it, it's working. It's working. <laughs> 35 and a half years later, it's working. Don't, you wake up tomorrow morning. You wake up tomorrow morning. You find out that another bank is filing and, and just, man, I've been hearing ripples. I mean, you have too. Anybody who's been watching the news, reading, you know, doing any kind of financial, keeping an eye on financial stuff, oh my goodness, folks. This could get exciting. This could get crazy. Opportunities. Opportunities, yes. And, ah, there we go. That's what we're talking about here. Opportunities. I mean, it could get crazy. I mean, I've heard some things. I, I heard, I mean, I, I won't repeat what I hear because I don't want to add to the fuel of the fire here. But I have a very good friend. We were texting, a bunch of us were texting him about it last night and about this. And, and he says, I'm going to go get my money out of the bank tomorrow morning, on Monday morning. Well, if everybody does that, what's the Holy Spirit saying? That, see, that's what I wanted to get to is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What, what is he saying? And do that, whatever that is. Don't be moved by what the radio says. Don't be moved by what your best friend's third cousin who knows something says. When you pray about it, what do you get? When, 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 when uh, uh, COVID came on the scene, the first thing I did is, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? What, do I, what am I supposed to do? What do I say? Where do we, what do we do? Do we shut down? Do we start up? Do we, what do we do? Lord, you lead me. Lead us. You know what to do. And we just followed him. And in the middle of it, we, kept, we started to, 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 to speak over it and say, we're not just going to survive this. We're going to thrive through this. Because he didn't call you this far for you to just dwindle away and lose all your life savings and die of COVID and die of this. And Oh, did you know? Did you know there's a, there's a, 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 a flu bug going around that's killing people? Did you know that? Have you heard that yet? Oh, go look it up. It's good. <laughs> I mean, there's stuff every day that's trying to kill you. There's stuff every day that's trying to steal from you. But you got the word of God. What's the Holy Spirit saying? What's the Holy Spirit? Don't be deceived. Get ready for what's coming next. Get ready for, you know, I mean, I'm not going, Lord, show me what's coming next so I can be ready. I'm just saying, Lord, get me ready. That when I hear the next thing, when I hear the next bank failure, the next, the next, flu bug the next the next whatever it is lord what's the answer and he's telling me don't be deceived keep moving forward i don't care what the, the world's going to suffer folks the world's the world is suffering and it's going to suffer that that part is very real but you are in a different kingdom you're in a different life. You live differently. You've been called. Your business will thrive through this. I, I mean, I'm just speaking over it. You start speaking over it. Your business, your employer, your school, your education. Get an education because you're going to need it. You're going to need that education. Why? Because you're, there's going to be opportunities in the future where you need, uh, we need godly men and women who understand this stuff and don't freak out every time something goes sideways. And we call it what is true. We, this world needs people who call truth, truth. Yeah. 
This is, we, we just, we need people who go, that is not what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And we start speaking supernaturally over these situations and we change it. Your finances, your finances are not going to be destroyed. How can I say that so confidently? Because I know the one who's in charge of your finances. Now you can make decisions. You can make decisions. I know a guy. I know a guy. Oh, sweetheart, come here. Yeah, come to Grandpa. She just started walking. Hallelujah. I saw you out the corner of my eye. I can preach with her on my arm. You don't ever tell your grandkids, go away. <laughs> Say hi. Go hi. Or not. Okay, where was I? I know a guy. I know a lot of guys. What guy was I talking about? I hadn't got that far, did I? I know a guy. I know, I do know a guy. I know a guy that he told me. He goes, I can't tell this to anybody else. He says, I, I, he says I'm so embarrassed. He says, and he says, who do you tell this to? He, uh, he, was doing, he was doing some financial trading legally. I mean, he was doing it legally, but he was doing some financial trading and he said he knew, he, he, he believed that what was going to happen over the next series of days was this certain thing was going to rise, 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 rise. And he was going to, and he, so he, he prayed about it and the Holy Spirit said, put this much money into it right now. And it did exactly what he said it was going to do. It started to rise, 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 rise. And then it did this, ka-chunk. And he, he freaked and he sold. And then he went. He said, he goes, I can't tell anyone else over. And I, I won't use his name because it's, he's just, I can't tell anybody else how much I lost. Tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars that he could have had. But he, but he just, he freaked out. Be led. Amen? Be led. Are you going to walk back? No, we're not going to put you under that kind of pressure. Because <laughs> there's a future, amen? amen? There's a future. Have babies. <laughs> Get married first. Have babies. <laughs> One last quick story, which is probably not true, but Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Here's the New Testament. What happens in the New Testament? What happens when somebody's filled with the Holy Ghost? Saul had the Holy Ghost upon him. He was a, he was a king, but he, was still, he still made decisions in his head. Here's a story about somebody who was filled in the Holy, with the Holy Ghost, who in the middle of it, Acts chapter 27, verse 7, Paul is on his way to Rome to be judged. Think about it this way. Luke is writing this. He says, We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived in the di with difficulty off of Sinaitis. 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 And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along, it was very difficult. We, be, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassie. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, Sirs, 
I perceived. What does, he, what does that mean when he says, I perceived? He heard from the Holy Ghost and he knew something that he didn't, he didn't know in the natural. He says, I perceived it. Why? He's hearing from the Holy Spirit. He says, I perceive... Where am I? Ten. Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid no attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship, than, uh, paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. He was looking to what everybody else, the, the, the experts. What are the experts saying? The experts are saying we can make it to the next port. We'll go to a better place. The Holy Spirit is saying, don't leave. Don't go. He says, I perceive that, that if we go, there's going to be a loss of the ship, there's going to be a loss of our cargo, there's going to be loss of lives, injury. Don't go. But the, but the, the rational minds, guys who had done it, I mean, this, this, this it was seafarers, these, these were captain. The captain says, I can make it. We got this, it's not a problem. And the centurion goes, we're going to go with him. Verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently... Supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a temp tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down, stuck, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up. Now, in that, between 15 and 21, it talks about how bad it's getting. It's getting bad. It's bad. We're in a, we're in a tight spot. This is bad. It's not going to be good. Verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them, and he said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you should have listened to me. You should have listened to the Holy Ghost. Here's the deal. Here's the goal. The goal is no matter what happens over the next 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, 10, 50 years, whatever, tens of years, that you don't look back and go, man, you should have listened to the Holy Ghost. Do it now. Listen to the Holy Spirit now. If he's leading you, and it might not make sense, the world might be saying, no, 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 we need to go. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, 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 you need to stay. Listen to the Holy Spirit. It is just start practicing it now. Over two years ago, the Holy Spirit told me, tell the congregation, some of you were here, tell the congregation to get ready. Learn how to live by faith, because you're going to need to. That was over two years ago. Here we are. We're in it today. We've already seen one pandemic. There, there's going to be other stuff, man. There's going to be financial stuff. There's going to be, you know, world upheaval stuff there could be wars there could be all kinds of stuff we need to live by faith not by sight we must live by faith we must live by what the holy spirit is saying verse 22 yet now i urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you but only of the ship for this very night there stood before me an angel of god to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. Now, that, you don't, I don't want to gloss over that. 
He says, you've, he says, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it. And all the people, you, because they're with you, and I believe he, because you asked, they're all going to be saved. But you got to do what I say. You got to do what, I t- what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you to do. And you're, we're all going to be saved. You're going to lose the ship. You're going to lose the cargo because you wouldn't listen to me back at the other place. But at least your lives are going to be saved if you do what I say. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as, as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. There, the Holy Spirit can tell you how something's going to happen. You have to believe him. You have to believe no matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what everybody else is saying, no matter what else the, 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 the experts are telling you, there are times and the time is now where you need to know that you heard from the Holy Spirit and you do exactly what he says. And you will be saved. And I believe you'll be, you'll, you won't just be saved, you'll be prospered. There is a time of prosperity come, a time of blessing. And I'm not just trying to make you feel good trying to bring this back to a happy ending i'm telling you the truth we're not here to just survive this we're here to thrive through this for the kingdom of god to thrive there is more churches more churches there's more people more souls saved there's more impact on the valley there is more to be done we're not done yet we're not even close to being i don't care what the banks do we're not done it's going to take a lot of money or it's going to take a lot of provision. Let's put, maybe I'll, it's a better way to say it. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's just amazing provision of God. But it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I think I shared this a year or two ago. I woke up one morning, and this, the Holy Spirit said this to me. I mean, I, I'm telling you what he said to me. I don't know what he said to you. <laughs> but I know what he said to me. I woke up, wasn't, wasn't even seeking him. I woke up and just waking up and trying to get my bearings where I was, what I was thinking. And all of a sudden, I heard these words as clear as I can tell you in the, in the spirit, not an audible, but in, in the spirit. I heard the next 25 years are going to be awesome. And I knew that was the Holy Ghost. I was just like, whoa, where, where did that come from? The next 25 years are going to be awesome. Well, in my life, what I'm doing if we can't fulfill what God's telling, me to, telling us to do, telling me to do, that's not going to be awesome. So apparently, we're going to fulfill what God said we're going to do. When I wake up and I'm dealing with something and my hip hurts, and Satan goes, oh, you see, you're going to be a cripple by 70. Well, that wouldn't be awesome. And so I tell him that. I use, I, I use that word. I said, no, God, the Holy Spirit told me my life's going to be awesome which means my life's going to be awesome. My family's lives are going to be awesome. Your guys' lives are good because you're, I love you. I want you to be a part of this. The next 25 years are going to be awesome. If we're completely being chased across the earth because of a persecution and horror, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to do what God told us to do and we're going to fill this valley with the glory of God. I don't care what the banks do. I don't care what the medical do. I don't care what, the, what disease thinks it's going to... We're going to look at each disease and go, get out of here. Leave us alone. You're not taking one of us. It didn't take one of us the first time. It's not going to take any of us the next time. We stand. We're not giving up. We're not going to give up one second before Jesus returns. Amen? Linda. Hallelujah. Don't give up. Hallelujah. If it hasn't happened yet, it still will.
You know, God gave me a vision when I was five years old. It was just moments after I got born again. You know what, it hasn't happened yet. I must be in a time between times, huh, Pastor? <laughs> Praise God, he's good. <clears throat> Hallelujah. This morning, I have my Bible set for Matthew chapter 22. If you have the Bible with you, either electronic or physical, please turn there. We're going to talk about something, and God's going to encourage your heart today. Verse 17 says, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? You know what God told me when I was studying this? He said, Linda, this is Matthew talking. He is the tax collector. And here's what he's saying. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God. Well, I got a $5 bill here this morning. And on the back, you might want to pull out some money. This will be a practice in teaching that is kinesthetic in nature. You have to do something to get it. I also have a quarter. On the back of it, both of them say the same thing. Do any of you know what I'm going to say? In God we trust. So we get a choice every time we look at that $5 bill, quarter, $100 bill, whatever it is. Are we going to trust God or are we going to trust what we know? Are we going to follow what God tells us to do with our giving? Are we just going to kind of mosey along, not listening to him? Pastor's already told us to follow him, right? Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I've got my $5 bill. Which one of you trusts in God? Raise your hand. Okay, I think I saw Brian raise his hand first, so he gets the $5 bill. Okay, a practical example. Hallelujah, right? We want to follow God. We want to trust him. We need to give to him the offering that he desires. And he'll place it in our heart if we'll ask him. And he'll provide it. And he, we will thrive, like Pastor said. We're going to thrive and not just survive. Do you know, in that particular scripture, verse 20 said, whose is this image and superscription? Well, Webster's Dictionary says that superscription is something that is written or engraved on the surface. I'm going to ask you this morning, what is engraved and written on your surface? What do people see? What do they see when they look at you? Kind of a little challenge, right? Kind of the same trusting challenge 
as giving your $5 or your quarter or your $100 bill? Are you trusting God to make you into the superscription he wants you to be? He's amazing, totally amazing. Hallelujah. So we have an opportunity to give, right? And God will bless us as we give in faith. So our choice is the box in the back, the other three ways listed by mail, online, or in person. And you get to pick whatever one makes you most comfortable. And there are many things to give to for the kingdom. There's a missions trip that's coming up, and I'm sure there's still a couple of people that need support. And that might be one thing you might be led to give to. But let God show you what to do, and you will be blessed. Hallelujah. Remember, you want to be the superscription of God that people can see. And you want to follow the superscription on every piece of money that you have. I'm tempted to write that on my check. In God I trust, right? Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we just thank you today. We thank you that our opportunity is to love you and serve you all the days of our lives. Father, we know that giving is part of that service. Lord, I'm asking this morning that you'll bless the giver. And if there's one present that has nothing to give, I am asking you to give that person not only bread for eating, but seed for sowing. So that when next Sunday rolls around, they have something to put in the plate. They have something to give. And they can show that in God they trust. Hallelujah, Lord, you are so good to us. We have so much abundance. And we just praise you, Lord. We just thank you. Hallelujah, you have brought us so far, so very far. And we honor you, Lord, with our lives, with our very being. And Lord, we ask that you will make us the epistles that are written in the hearts of the men and women and children that see us this week that we will choose to be love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness, kindness, all the things that Galatians talks about, Lord. Help us to be that to the world so that we can save some, Father. And we just bless you now. We ask the people to exit with love in their hearts and that, Father, they will choose this week to listen to the Holy Spirit, and secondly, to follow his command. And we'll give you the praise, Father, and the glory. And we just thank you for this morning and these people. They are truly blessed of you, God. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Amen.